Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. As we thank God coming into his presence, we also come before him to confess our sins. Deuteronomy chapter 5 is our call to confession this morning. The fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Thus far the reading of God's word. Today is Mother's Day and a happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I want to mention three things on this fifth commandment this morning. One, Scripture tells us straight up to honor our mothers. Uh, Our culture uh, often parades before us ungrateful children who blame all their problems on their parents. But there's a better way, even if your parents were monsters. Uh, There's a a wonderful book we have on the back table uh, by Jim Wilson on bitterness. There's a chapter in there on your relationship with your parents. It's a wonderful uh, booklet I commend to you. Some, some of us struggle mightily with this and with difficulties with our parents. Uh, second thing is, notice the exhortation that goes along with this uh, commandment, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you. Reminds me of a, a movie from uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He says at one point, come with me if you want to live. And in a similar kind of way, God says to us, honor your father and your mother if you want to live. It's a a solemn warning. And there's a definite connection between a long, happy life and a good relationship with your parents. As Romans says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. And that includes our parents. And third, uh, I'd like to mention on Mother's Day as a faithful pastor, I believe I need to say, mothers sin in particular ways too. Uh, impatience with children who are slow to learn, resentment with an ungrateful family that take her for granted, Uh, giving up on responsibilities halfway through raising children and just coasting, or giving in to discouragement and despair. There are more, but I'm already on thin ice, so I'll stop there. Uh, This is a day to commend mothers, and we should. Uh, Let's also renew our commitment to God's intent for moms and reorient our lives accordingly. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins. I encourage you to kneel if you're able, and let's pray. I'll pray our prayer of confession. Mother's Day sermon planned for us today from Genesis chapter 2. So let's turn there first and read of the creation of Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. This is actually right after the account of Adam's creation. Genesis 2, we'll start at verse 18. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, our Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 
Genesis 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The grass withers, the flower fades, but this word of God stands forever. And God's people said, Amen. In 1963, Betty Friedan wrote The Feminine Mystique, uh, and I've taken it along today. I want to read the first paragraph of the book. The back cover says that this book ignited a revolution that profoundly changed our culture and our consciousness and our lives. And it's very true. It was a foundational uh, text on feminism. Here's the first paragraph. The problem that has no name. The problem lay buried, unspoken for many years in the minds of American women. It was a strange stirring, a sense of dissatisfaction, a yearning that women suffered in the middle of the 20th century in the United States. Each suburban wife struggled with it alone as she made the beds, shopped for groceries, matched slipcover material, ate peanut butter sandwiches with her children, chauffeured Cub Scouts and brownies lay beside her husband at night. She was afraid to ask even of herself the silent question, is this all? And the book goes on for another 400 pages uh, to sow the seeds of um, dissatisfaction with uh, the woman's calling. And that was uh, one of the foundations of the modern feminist movement. It's quite striking in contrast with what we read in Scripture. Uh, the theme this morning uh, in this topical message is that women, wives, and mothers fulfill the dominion mandate in their callings by being fruitful and multiplying. And we're going to look at a couple of different uh, things here. First, we'll start in Genesis 2, looking at uh, the woman being a, a helper to the man. Then we'll go to Proverbs and Titus uh, later on this morning. So, uh, first of all, in Genesis 2, God creates Adam and then says it's not good that he's alone. I'll make him a helper, fit for him. Uh, and that uh, phrase uh, gets a lot of uh, description and argument. It's simply a basic word of helper. Uh, she's a, a helper for him. And so God creates the animals. It's very interesting how this story goes. Uh, all the other animals had a mate but not the man. And you see there in verses 18 through 20 uh, that sometimes God likes to draw things out. Uh, he likes to, to make you wait, to realize the things that you need 
the things that you, you really want, that you really need. And Adam has to wait for his helper. And Adam has a whole lot of work to do first, notice, naming all of those animals. He names them all, but a helper isn't found for him. And sometimes women, too, have to wait for God's delayed timing in marriage or for children. And that can be a, a test of our faith. But God provides a helper for the man. And that is what the woman is. If you turn to Malachi chapter 2, in the midst of God uh, rebuking Israel's priests, uh, we get this uh, foundational text on marriage and, and what women are for. Uh, that's uh, the title of this message. What are women for? Malachi 2, verse 14. It says, But you say, why does God uh, not regard our offerings? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves. You see there in that passage, two verses, two ideas, that the woman is given to the man for companionship. She, she's your companion. Don't be faithless to her. And what's God seeking in that companionship? He's seeking godly offspring. Uh, so uh, God gives the woman to the man for companionship and for offspring so that they can be fruitful and multiply. And if you think about it, uh, women especially uh, are built for relationship and for childbirth, just biologically. That's how God sets things up. Uh, often the woman has a higher emotional IQ, and we call it women's intuition sometimes, right? These are designed to be an asset to the family. In, in those ways, the woman is a helper to the man. The man, on the other hand, is more directly built to till the garden and to guard the garden, right? Uh, men often focus on the extreme physical exertion that their tasks take and the readiness for that, right? And that's the way God has set things up. This is why in Ephesians 5, that God tells women that they need to respect their husbands. Uh, they, husbands need that, and it can be harder for the wife to give it sometimes. And on the other hand, men need to love their wives. Uh, they need relationship and it's often harder for the husband to give. What, the, you know, the old joke is, what do you mean I don't love you? I, I fixed the washing machine and, I, and the disher, dishwasher and the car. I work long hours. It's obvious I love you, right? But the woman needs something other than the work and the respect. There's love. Now, we don't want to overdo that distinction too much. Uh, women also need to be complimented for what they do. Right? Men, on the other hand, need love and affection and relationship. However much men often deny that, it's true. So to, to overdo that distinction can be a problem. Uh, back to Genesis 2, though. Uh, notice, again, uh, just in another way of saying don't overdo the distinction, uh, notice something very clear in Genesis 2 that we don't think about often. Uh, and even saying this makes me feel very awkward, but this is just basic biblical truth, so bear with me. The woman is not one of those animals, right? God makes a very clear distinction here. The woman is not another species than man. 
And we can often overdo the distinction between men and women to the point where we kind of assume that it is. There's a lot of online manosphere teaching that implies this. No, the woman is bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. If you're more about keeping your masculinity than you are about loving your wife, then there's a problem. So uh, God gives the woman to help the man. Now, what is the woman for? What is she doing? In Proverbs 9, if, you, if we turn back there, we see there a contrast between the woman who builds her house, that's verse 1, and in verse 13, uh, the woman folly is loud. She sits at the door of her house. She, she uh, goes about tearing her house down, really. And so you see embedded in there is an assumption that the woman's, uh, um, what, what the woman is for is for her house, to build up her house. That's implied in everything that, she, that he's saying. In Proverbs 31, also notice, it's not Solomon, this, this is how we often read Proverbs 31, there are many women, Christian women, who come to resent this chapter when, when they ought to see it in appreciation. Proverbs 31, it's not Solomon saying to find a woman who will drudge for you from sunup to sundown. That's not what Proverbs 31 is saying. It's actually, if you look at verse 1 of the chapter, it's the king's mother who's giving this instruction, right? Telling the king what kind of woman to look for. Uh, so th that's part of what is going on here. Titus uh, 2 as well, we, we ought to consider, uh, where at the end, verse 5, uh, Paul says to Titus that, yes, the young women need to be instructed to be submissive to their husbands. Must a wife obey her husband? Yes. Yes. Uh, and I want to give two similar situations, and then we'll come back to the wife in a minute. So two analogies like that. Uh, should a sheep submit to the shepherd's care? The answer is yes. But the sheep uh, bleats at the shepherd to tell him there's something wrong. And that's okay. And the shepherd listens. And he's patient and caring. And he goes out of his way to help the sheep. Now, does that mean that the sheep tell the shepherd how to take care of it? No. But the sheep know good care when they get it. That's the first analogy. The second one, must the church submit to her elders and to her Lord's teaching? Yes. But the pastor is crazy if he doesn't listen to how the church is hurting and struggling. And we know that Jesus knows all of those hurts. But does that mean that church members direct the session or the pastor and tell Jesus how to care for them and what he may not do? No. You see how complicated this is and how rich God's design. The church knows good care when they get it. So back to the wife. Must the wife obey her husband? Yes. But the husband is crazy if he doesn't take his wife's advice, see her perspective, take it into account in his plans. Does that mean the wife is always directing the husband, telling him what to do? No. But a wife knows good husbanding when she gets it. That's the plan here. I always, I think I mentioned this last Mother's Day too. This always makes me think of the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, where the mother in there, she's, she says, yes, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck. And then the neck can turn the head however it wants. Right? That, that's pretty diabolical, actually. Right? And all the more so because it's kind of funny. 
Right? That's part of Satan's cunning, as he makes us laugh at diabolical things. Uh, so, uh, no, the wife should not hold back from sharing her views with her husband, even knowing he'll disagree. But there's a, an order to how God has set things up. Uh, what are women for? They're there to build up the house. They're there to be a helper to the man. Third, women are for mothering. Women are for mothering. Uh, Now, will every woman have biological children? No. And this day is especially hard on women who want to have children but don't, or those whose children have abandoned them, or who've lost children to miscarriage, or abortion, or early death. God's natural design has been damaged by the fall. So thorns and thistles pierce our soul in this calling, as in every other. I was going to just pass over that, but I added this morning something very important. Notice, and this is the central gospel point today. Right at the moment when Jesus is atoning for our sins on the cross, a mother is watching her 33-year-old son be wrongfully executed, and she couldn't stop it. The, the pain of, of a mother at the cross is right there at the center of the story. The effect of the fall pierced that mother's soul. A mother's grief and, and pain is to be honored. It often cannot be removed. But the cross is right there at the center in that painful situation. It reminds me of Isaiah 53, verse 4. Jesus has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows. So women are for mothering by God's creation design. And we need to emphasize that creation design a lot these days because our world so likes to go against nature these days. But God's grace blesses us even more than nature does. Again, in nature, nature is broken, it's fallen. And so uh, things will fall through the cracks, things will, uh, will, will go haywire. But in the church and in other Christian relationships we have, Titus 2 again, God gives older women to an opportunity to be a mother to younger women. Younger women who are new mothers or who want to be mothers need mothering themselves by older women. This is one of the very few direct commands, uh, older women, in Scripture to you. Titus 2, a direct command to teach younger women and what to teach them too. We're hoping to restart our ladies' meetings soon. That may be an opportunity for that. Uh, But for you moms, you were made for this. You're doing your high calling. It's glorious. So don't believe these lies of the world uh, that say that motherhood is a waste of time and energy. It's not going to satisfy you. It's the opposite of what God has given us in his word. This lie is deeply embedded in us. Uh, Most of the church at least half believes it. That domestic life is drudgery and servitude. We're bound to leave women unhappy and unfulfilled. Uh, The message again of this book that just spread like wildfire in the 60s was, you aren't really happy at home, are you? And often, perhaps, it was true. And it was true because, in part, uh, husbands weren't loving their wives as they should have been doing. But if a woman can contribute her gifts to society beyond the home, 
without sacrificing her primary role there to her husband and children, or if she needs to do that to help the family make ends meet, then great, and, and let her. Proverbs 31 shows us some of that, too. But mothering is a glorious calling that we should embrace and hold up as valuable. Mothers of little ones, you're gloriously entangled full-time with your children, right? I, I even see it here at church all the time, right? So moms are holding little ones right now, right? You're constantly uh, on, uh, on call, on that duty, and that's a glorious thing. It's exhausting, it's life-consuming for several years, and it's meant to be. The Proverbs 31 picture shows that gloriously too. All the different things that a wife has to do. What, is, what do mothers do? Uh, mothers nurture, they feed, they care. Uh, not all moms are the same. That's something to keep in mind on Mother's Day. We get this picture in our heads uh, of, uh, well, whatever the picture is. It's usually a rather sentimental thing. Uh, uh, moms are a certain way. This is who moms are. This is what they do. We think of all moms as, as soft, tender, caring, emotional, sentimental, sometimes, sure. But again, we absolutize the differences in the genders too much. Uh, moms, I've seen this myself in many different ways, moms have a hard, tough side, and they need to. Uh, they deal with the gross side of babies, sometimes way better than dads do, right? There's a, there's a way that mothers can be uh, that, that helps uh, in, a, in, a, in a toughness that they have. And motherhood, too, can soften hard edges where that is needed. That's what mothers do. Mothers need, I want to focus on what mothers need. They need love. They need appreciation. They need help. Two are better than one, it says in Ecclesiastes. And this applies there. It's very easy to exasperate mothers by withholding these things. Love and appreciation and help. And it's also true, the first two of those, love and appreciation, those are not often a man's strength, right? It can be difficult sometimes for, uh, for husbands, for men to express appreciation and love. Uh, two funny stories about that that I've uh, recalled this week. Uh, one is from the, the TV world. Uh, I used to, grew up watching The Simpsons, and uh, there was the one episode where Homer gets Marge a bowling ball for a present. It's like, she doesn't even bowl. And, and, and Homer's the one who wanted the bowling ball. He even had his name etched into the bowling ball. It's like, trying to show love uh, to your wife, but we can be so selfish sometimes that we start out trying to love our wives, but we wind up serving ourselves. It, that often happens. Second story about that that's interesting, how it's, it's hard for us sometimes to express love and appreciation in, in a way that's appreciated. Uh, former church that I used to serve, there was an uh, elder who was praying for expectant mothers, and one was near the due date. And he wanted to pray that the, the delivery would go without incident, right? That it would be a smooth delivery, you know how you, you, you pray that way. He wound up saying instead, we just pray that this delivery would be a non-event, like, wait a minute, that's not, this is a big event, right? So, so we, have, we have difficulty sometimes. Ladies, you know that we can put our foot in our mouth a lot. Uh, just realize, when you see that, you're seeing the heart of God a bit there, right? I often think that God looks down on us in our foolishness, just kind of shaking his head with a wry smile, 
Like, they are trying so hard to love me, but they can be so dumb sometimes. That, that's the heart of God. Each of us needs help in our callings. Mothers need love, appreciation. They need help. And each of us needs help in our callings. We aren't meant to do it completely ourselves. Uh, as a pastor, let me start there. Being a pastor is a calling. I need help often knowing what to do from other pastors, from the session. Uh, it's also good sometimes uh, to get help in my calling from my wife. Every now and then I'm struggling with a sermon and I'll ask my wife a question about it. And she'll say something, some offhand remark that, that's something, some valuable insight that gets me unstuck. And, and I get back to it and, and it's, it, it, it sets something off that's helpful. And that's a great blessing. Now, if, she, if my wife was writing all of my sermons for me, that's not so good. You see the distinction there? We encourage, we advise our friends, our spouses, but it's their calling, right? And this goes the other way, too, from women to men and from husbands to wives. Husbands, you should encourage and advise and help your wives. But I would urge not getting too micromanaging and directive. It's their calling. Uh, Doug Wilson likes to say, the woman in the home, she is the household despot. That, that she has authority in the home. A wise husband will advise when she asks, but usually delegate the final call to her. It's her realm. So uh, we need help in our callings. Uh, uh, coming to a close here, one way to do that is that uh, we ought to be communicating uh, as uh, families. Uh, make sure that you're doing family business. Uh, this maybe is more for the husbands once again. First Peter 5, dwell with her with understanding, it says, right? Communicate, uh, husband and wife. Not just for the relationship, although that, of course, is needed, but also for clarity in each of your callings, right? Uh, lots of family disputes and troubles uh, come in here where it's unclear exactly who's going to do what in the home. And if you can be clear on that, negotiate those things that need to be done, that can be extremely useful. Uh, that's one way to help uh, a, a wife, a mother in her callings. Uh, husbands, you ought to lead by sitting your wife down, maybe with the older kids too, and doing that kind of family business, asking questions. How is it going here at home? What are you worried about? What are you struggling to do well? What can I do to help that? Is there any structural change to the family schedule we need to make, the daily routines, what the kids do? Uh, get, get those kind of things clear. And then husbands, don't, don't resent it when you need to pitch in at home. That's also a, a common struggle. Follow through with doing what you agree to do. And also teach your children to help from a young age. I'll close with a book recommendation today that uh, I've heard uh, the author speak about, uh, at the least. It's by Mary Beakey. I don't know if you know Joel Beakey. This is his wife. She uh, wrote a book called Teach Them to Work which I just find so amusing because they're from the Dutch Reformed world that I'm from. And the, the Dutch are hard workers and pride themselves on being hard workers. So she wrote a book called Teach Them to Work. The them is your children. Instill a good work ethic in your children. That will help a wife, a mother at home because then the load is shared more. So help 
And, and when, when we say, what is a woman for? And we say, the Bible says the woman is a helper for the man. Again, take that help in the broadest sense possible, right? If you're going to help uh, your wife in her calling, that doesn't mean doing the dishes now and then. It doesn't mean only that. It means other things like leading her well, uh, coming to uh, clear conclusions together in what we are going to do. So what is a woman for? Uh, a woman is designed to fulfill the dominion mandate in their callings, to be fruitful and multiply. All this done to the glory of God in the, in the midst of thorns and thistles in the world that Christ came to die for and to set right. He has made the woman's calling glorious and she should be praised in the gates. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the glorious design of your creation, how you have uh, set uh, the woman before the man, how Adam said, here at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. We thank you, Lord, for the high calling of marriage and motherhood. We thank you that you have uh, blessed us in so many ways through it. We ask, Lord, that as uh, we seek to fulfill these callings, to live as your word calls us to live, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us uh, tender care uh, for our children, for our spouses, that you would lead and go before us in your spirit's uh, help. All this, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus and we sing as he taught us to pray. communion exhortation. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. One of the things about mothers is that they set tables. The church is a mother of sorts, designed to feed God's children with his bread and wine, to call out in the streets for the simple, to enter God's house and to find wisdom. Now moms aren't perfect and neither is the church. On a Tuesday noon at home, you might find mom whipping out the plates, slapping the PBJ on the bread hurriedly, maybe with a little bit less love, more of the let's just get through lunch today kind of attitude, right? But, but we are called to, to honor her as best we can. Is she giving you nutrition? Then stay and eat what you are served. In the church, we can have very particular palates when it comes to our theological taste on the menu. And mom might serve something else. Jesus sees to it that at this table, whatever the faults of the server, it is he himself that you receive. So do not shrink back, but come. We invite to the Lord's table all those who are baptized and under the authority of Christ and his body, the church. By eating the bread and drinking the wine with us, you're acknowledging that you are a sinner, without hope, accepting the sovereign mercy of God, that you are trusting in Christ alone for salvation. So come and welcome to the Lord Jesus the body of Christ broken for you. Let's pray.
Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.